Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. You've really carved out <laughs> quite, a, quite a status of villain right here in this town. Congratulations for... <laughs> did i mean i just answered your dumb questions about your team's manager i don't know hit and run with matt spiegel sunday mornings on the score that's andy mccullough who refuses to take ownership of the fact that he himself is a villain in chicago um but uh, you know that's fine he can he can believe whatever Whatever he likes, we know the truth. It's uh, Matt Spiegel and Spiegel and Parkins. Back when it was a thing, used to have McCullough on, and and we did ask a lot of dumb questions, and you made the mistake of answering them. So I think that's on you at that point. Andy. I I blame myself for maintaining my relationship with Parkins. You know, 15 years after we left college, uh, you know, I should just move on. Yeah. We should both move on. I, hey, I, I'm trying. You know, I'm trying yeah. over here. It's like I wish I was. But, uh, I wish yeah. I was friends with Nick Wright, and instead I'm stick stuck with Parker. Sucks. <laughs> you chose poorly, my friend. <laughs> you absolutely did. He is Andy McCullough of the Athletic, formerly of the Kansas City Star and of the Daily Orange, um, and the L.A. Times as well. But you know, I like to say that I'm an ap- amateur epidemiologist on this show because we all are right now. But right. but I think you and Mark Kerrig. You and Mark Carrig have achieved a level of uh, understanding or insight um, through the piece that you guys wrote about the safety protocols where you talked to several medical experts. You might be one of the best amateur epidemiologists covering the game right now. So congratulations on that. And, Thank you. Thank you. That's very kind yeah. of you. Yeah, yeah, you got it. Um, so what did you learn along the way uh, as you figured this out? It seemed like everybody said that the frequency of testing was a big, big deal. And what I've heard um, from Ken Rosenthal and others is that the players echo that, that they need that frequency of testing, perhaps almost daily, right? Right, yeah. I mean, the the whole thing is that if you do not have daily testing available, then you have to practice more sort of draconian, like social distancing measures within the clubhouse. So that's where it's like no high fives, no spitting, no chewing tobacco can't shower at the park, no hydrotherapy, all that stuff, which is really kind of, you know, cramps the players' routines. And if you have daily testing, uh, not only can you do all those things that make it, you know, just easier to be a professional athlete and, you know, do your job, but you also are just more likely to catch the disease when it comes into the environment. And talking to these, you know, epidemiologists and infectious disease experts, I mean, they were all pretty blunt. Like, there's going to be infections. People are going to catch this virus. Um, 
and especially in a system where if you're only getting tested two or three times a week. But if you're doing diagnostic testing on a daily basis, there are going to be guys who get tested, and there may be times when guys sort of get into uh, the clubhouse and, or, and spread the virus, but they're going to be probably a, more able to you know, stop an outbreak, I guess. You, you can't stop infections, but you can do your best to stop an outbreak, and daily testing is the best way to do that. Um, and Major League so, Baseball hasn't implemented that yet, so you know we, that's a big a big issue. This whole idea that a positive test doesn't mean that you're shutting down. A positive test means that you what test everybody else and quarantine them, and then hope that they don't show that they don't test positive the next day. Like part of that scientifically just doesn't make any sense to me. Were you no, able to make I mean, sense of that? No. I mean, the CDC guidelines suggest that if someone tests positive, that those who are in contact with them need to quarantine for 14 days. But um, if you do that, it's going to be very difficult to have a baseball season. So, I mean, look, like if the goal right now in this country was specifically the only goal was make sure the virus goes away, we wouldn't be playing baseball this year. Um, and again, it, we can't as simply say, you know, because of how the economy and all that sort of stuff, we can't just say, okay, the number one goal is stopping the virus. People have to, you know, pay their bills, all that sort of stuff. I get that. But in order to have a major league baseball season, you know, you're going to have to kind of, uh, for lack of a better term, like cut some corners. And yeah, there, there isn't a real, I haven't heard a real good explanation for how a positive test wouldn't lead to basically everyone having to shut down, but they seem to believe that if they're doing enough testing and, you know, the daily fever checks and all this sort of stuff, they'd be able to prevent an outbreak inside a clubhouse. Uh, we'll wow. see. Unfor like, unfortunately, like we'll see. Uh, that, that's the kind of harrowing <laughs> thing about this, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, the, the amount of testing that they need and say that they will be able to provide, hell, even if it's not daily, if it's just a couple times a week, you referenced, I think, 14,500 tests um, per week, I believe it was. Um, mm -hmm. it, it, you know, they seem to be confident on their ability. And John Lester echoed with us yesterday that that MLB would have its own facility, so they're not taking tests from anybody else around the country. That's a bone that a lot of people are, are looking to pick. It, it, is this based on the fact that MLB hopes to have the saliva tests be the ones that if they can make the saliva test uh, both plentiful enough and viable enough that they indeed right. will not be taking from the stockpile? Is that the idea? Yeah, I mean, they have said in their protocols that the primary testing they will be doing will be through saliva rather than, rather than the nasal uh, swabs, which makes sense both from a terms of the nasal swab test from everything I've read is very uncomfortable and intrusive. And there's also uh, some issues with the supply chains of just actually getting the swabs. So they, you know, their primary way of doing diagnostic testing will be doing the saliva. The problem with that is the efficacy of those tests is, tests is still kind of in doubt. Um, you know, it's not to say that it might not work, but it just hasn't been, you know, they're very, very new. I think they only in the past two weeks or so have they really started being used. So the, the just whether or not they're going to have false negatives, false positives, whatever, uh, is unclear just yet. And then also there is the just the amount of PPE that needs to be produced. You know, all the, the N95s and the gloves and, you know, testing reagents and all that sort of stuff. And, yes, Major League Baseball does have a facility in Salt Lake City, Utah, that they're going to commission to analyze all the tests. But the PPE aspect, they still will be taking resources that, you know, would could be used elsewhere. Um, now there's reason to believe that, hey, maybe the, with the way – 
that um, production has been ramped up on these things, you know, across the country, that in June there might not be, you know, supply chain issues, but we just don't know yet. So Major League Baseball has said that they're committed to not siphoning away resources from, you know, first responders and healthcare situations, but we just don't know. I mean, I, I hope they don't. Um, but it's just too soon to say whether or not that's actually what the case is going to be. All right, McCullough, um, hard left turn, hard left turn here. Um, you wrote, you wrote <laughs> a piece. What did you think of David Ross? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, even harder, even a, oh, no. even a, a more firm left turn. You wrote a piece uh, with Rustin Dodd on the Athletic about the greatest <laughs> baseball songs of all time. Oh my God! Okay? Oh and my I God. was. I was pleased to see several things in there. Major Leagues by Pavement is a song yeah. that I have used to open hit and run in previous years. I've used that. Um, there's uh, the Ichiro song by Ben Gibbard. I think it's what, Ballad of Ichiro, I believe. I think, it, um, I think it's can, called Go Go Ichiro or something. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, the, uh, the, the, the very touching... Um, and simple, the greatest by the late Kenny Rogers got a mention. I, I even appreciated that. My problem is that Go Cubs Go is a terrible, terrible song. It is an embarrassment to the legacy of the brilliant Steve Goodman. The Dying Cub Fan's Last Request yeah. is sprawling and ingenious and thoughtful and wry, and Go Cubs Go frankly sounds like a money grab from a man um, who needed it late in life and career. And while I admit to singing along with that song several times uh, <laughs> at the end of particularly, you know, happy moments in the stands with, with booze involved, you as the music elitist that I've heard that you are, that I believe you to be, can, how do you place Go Cubs Go in that context? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, if we had a do-over, we probably would have uh, switched out the Steve Goodman songs. I, you know, I'll, I'll wear that one. If there were two things we should have done differently with that. We, uh, we okay. should have used the Dying Cubs fans' last request instead of Go I love Go Cubs Go. I get why if you hear it, you know, I don't know how many games are the Cubs win per year. Like, if you hear it, you know, after their 92 wins every year, um, you know, you really love it uh, or probably get sick of it. Excuse me. Uh, I, I think it's great. You know, it reminds me of covering, you know, them during the 16 and 17 playoffs and whatever. Yeah. Uh, but we should have switched that out and we should have put in a note explaining why center field sucks um, because we didn't include center field on the list and the comment oh. section just went absolutely bonkers. So we should have just mentioned, hey, uh, you know, by the way, center field is not a good song. And then we we, we should have flipped the, the, the Steve Goodman song. So, you know, I'll, I'll wear that one. That was a mistake. Okay. Um, okay. You know, nothing, nothing I, I, to be said besides, you know, we aired. I, I, all right. Well, I appreciate that. was not expecting a full <laughs> mea culpa. I really was expecting more of a tussle here. I will say that. I remember I remember writing about the 2015 playoffs when the Cubs beat the Cardinals and I was in the stands at the end of that series and I found myself um, as I wrote singing along to a song I hate. You know, it just sometimes <laughs> sometimes you find yourself doing it and I guess it's got to be it's pretty great. good if it if it has that power. You know? Yeah, it's great, man. It's fun. There's a there's a uh, Dylan Hernandez, the uh, columnist at the LA Times, is uh, fond of going into bars in Los Angeles and putting on Go Cubs Go on repeat on the jukebox on shuffle to upset people. So it, it has a fond place in my heart. Uh, it sounds like John Mulaney's bit about uh, what's new pussycat. Uh, oh, right yeah, there. yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? right. 
All right. Um, then you wrote about the Dodgers, the perhaps the healthiest and best run organization in the game. Mm -hmm. I don't know how they continue to churn out this steady stream of top tier prospects. Dustin May and Gavin Lux primed to be in um, in rookie of the year conversation. Although is, is Dustin May, would he still be eligible? I think so. I think he, so, but I'm not sure. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. But and, and they've been fascinating what they've chosen to do with their infinite money through the years. I was I was struck by what you wrote about how they got to the offseason and realized, well, we're going to have to finally go for it and add a giant deal. All that's left is adding a superstar. Sounds like desperation, but maybe it's understandable desperation because that's about as cruel uh, a run as you can go on for a truly mm -hmm. great team over these past three or four years. How desperate did Andrew Friedman get by the time this offseason came around? It's it's a good question because I don't think, you know, I don't think Friedman really looks at it in that way. I don't think he looked at it as, you know, we need to make a splash. I think he would he probably frames it and he, and you know, he this is how he chooses to frame it publicly at least is in order to make a difference, we need to make a splash. You know, like if we just stay status quo, their thinking was if the Dodgers don't add anyone, they're still the best team in the National League. If they just take the roster on paper, no Mookie Betts, no David Price, they're the best team in the National League. But in order to actually get better in a meaningful way, it would take a superstar. So Dallas Keuchel, Madison Bumgarner, even, you know, re-signing Hunjin Ryu didn't really make a huge difference in their bottom line. Uh, Garrett Cole would have made a difference. Anthony Rendon would have made a difference. Francisco Lindor would have made a difference. But the guy that they were able to actually find a deal for was Mookie Betts. And the reason they were able to find that deal is because they had been – uh, you know, they hadn't hamstrung themselves with financial commitments to players, so they were able to take on not only Betts's, you know, uh, massive salary in arbitration, one-year salary in, in arbitration, and a good chunk, about half of David Price's contract for the next three years, but also they hadn't dealt some of their best prospects. So they still had Alex Verdugo, who's considered a pretty good prospect and, you know, ready to play now in 2020. So they had all these resources that they kind of kept marshaled. And that's, and that's kind of how they do business or try to do business at least is, you know, mm -hmm. they, they try not to, to make decisions that make them incrementally better in the moment, but can hamstring them from, um, you know, doing something bigger down the line. Now that can be exasperating for their fans when they like in 2019 do nothing at the trade deadline and don't really improve their bullpen. But, you know, in the long view, it's kind of hard to argue with their, you know, with, their, their business plot model or baseball operations model or whatever you want to say. I mean, there's a reason that every team in baseball run, wanted Garrett Cole this offseason, and the only two who made him an offer worth $300 million were the Dodgers and Yankees. And it's not just because they're two big market teams, but that they had prepared for this sort of scenario and were ready to make that offer when Cole hit the market. Yes, that, that surprised me that the Dodgers were finally, and that's why I use the word desperate, to – to give Cole that money. Look, it's a masterstroke to end up with Mookie Betts for sure. what they did. Um, and, and that worked out beautifully. But to to be willing to offer Cole what they did. And then did they offer Rendon as well? Were they right up there with the with the Angels on Rendon? Well, the Rendon thing was weird because I, I don't think they would have offered as much as the Angels. But Rendon just basically told him, I do not want to play in Los Angeles. Um, and so the Los Angeles Angels do not play in Los Angeles. So it actually, yeah. you know, it, it sounds strange. But yeah, he just said, I, I, think, I don't think they would have signed Rendon. I think he would have, they would have come up short. But he just never even took it off of him. He just said, I'm not interested in playing for you.
Well, I, I, I always think about what the Dodgers did with Hector Oliveira when he signed uh-huh. a six-year, $62 million deal, got a $28 million bonus that the Dodgers paid, and he never played a game for them. Traded to the Braves as <laughs> right. part of the Alex yeah. Wood deal. And your ability as a franchise to eat $28 million in that way yeah. and turn it into a young, controllable pitcher like Alex Wood, among other pieces, is is remarkable. So it, it, I, I would have been shocked if they blew $300 million on, especially an arm like Cole, who could yeah. obviously blow up at any moment. Yeah, I mean, it was uh, it was I did not expect them to be as aggressive on Cole as they were. And if the Yankees hadn't offered, you know, three hundred twenty four million, the Dodgers would have signed him. But, you know, they had determined that he was the guy worth betting on with that sort of deal because of, you know, his pedigree, his track record and you know his health and just his arsenal and his willingness to learn all that sort of stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, you're right. It it would have been a pretty, it's a pretty insane number to get, to give a pitcher. I mean, I think we all know that, but at least two teams thought he was worth it. You know, Peter Gammons was on the station this week and was talking about the future of free agency. And in his opinion, he said, Mookie Betts will be lucky to get 250 million. Now that's a lot of money and that's a wonderful life and, and generational wealth and all that, but it's at least a hundred less than he was probably expecting. Are the Dodgers going to be in the market to pay Mookie Betts that money? I'll be honest, I have no idea because I don't know what their finances look like. I don't know what any team's finances look like, you know? Uh, And I think, uh, I mean, but really, like, a lot of this stuff, like, you know, you're kind of starting, they're peeling back layers of the onion and you're seeing, you know, teams furloughing employees and, you know, cutting corners. And it's like, okay, so whose money is real and whose isn't? I, I, to be honest, I don't know. I mean, my guess, and I, and I can't, I mean, this is, you know, forecasting in a way that no one knows the answer for, but my guess is Betts will probably be looking for a one-year sort of pillow contract to rebound after, after this season because it's just, I don't even, I don't think there's going to be a $250 million offer for him out there. And if it is, I don't know if he should take it. I mean, it's a, uh, yeah, it's going to be really interesting because the free agent market is going to be very, very weak this winter, I think, in terms of dollars spent. And so I would suspect that, you know, some players are going to be willing to maybe take a one-year flyer on themselves and hope that the finances of the sport rebound if there's a full season in 2021. Boy, so many unknowns uh, financially, uh, safety-wise, and more. But thank God we have amateur epidemiologist uh, Andy McCullough to, to answer those <laughs> thank questions. You. All right, man. Thank, thank you for the time. I appreciate it very much. Hey, thanks for having me. Have a good one. You got it. It's Andy McCullough from The Athletic right here on 670 The Score. Later on, our man Chris Kampka will tie the room together like a good area rug. Uh, But before that, when we come back, a group of players have rebelled against a misguided plan from management. We will discuss that next on Hit and Run right here on 670 The Score. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. 
Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Hit and run with Matt Spiegel. Sundays, 9 a.m. to noon. <clears throat> oh, there it is. Bring on the major leagues by pavement. And Stephen Malkmus from Brighton the Corners, I think. No, maybe Terror Twilight is the album. Brighton the Corners is so good. That's the one with stereo and among other things. Obviously, Crooked Rain, Crooked Rain is the one. But you didn't tune in to hear an album-by-album breakdown of Pavement's discography. If you did, then, you know, you and me should hang out. But that's probably not why you're listening. It's Hit and Run, the score's venerable baseball show right here on 670. The score. Appreciated Andy McCullough being on and taking the um, the fairly good-natured ribbing about Go Cubs Go, among other things. Top of the hour, it is Zach Zaidman and Mark Grody together. And uh, they have a great show lined up for you, including John Boog Shambi at 1220, Kyle Long at 1 o'clock, and Patrick Manley at 2 o'clock. So, Hang around with Zach and Mark for the remainder of the day. Texts getting in at 6711. This texter, great sentence from your last guest. If the number one goal was stopping the virus, then we can't have a baseball season. Unquote. Now, that's definitely true. Um, Texter says he obviously wants sports, but he likes at least hearing that stated rather than the rhetoric uh, rhetoric of we will make health a priority, safety is our number one concern, The priority is that reopen, play ball, finances, et cetera, and react as best we can. Health is not the priority for all businesses necessarily. And that's, you know, that's 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 true. It is um, a lot of a lot of businesses are going to be out there, you know, taking some chances and then trying to see what they can do to control uh, a possibility of outbreaks. John Oliver on his show last week tonight had a great long segment, as usual, uh, this time on sports wanting to reopen and the 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 lesson the moral at the end was it's probably too soon sports you're adorable i even like you myself but it's probably too soon and that might be the case and that's why you say goofy given uncertainty about future infections get all these deals in place uh, mlb get your labor deal in place get your safety and health deal in place and then if the situation allows you allows you to do it, then, then you can reopen and have some baseball. A boy can dream. All right, so I mentioned a group of players rebelling against a misguided plan for management. Dig this. The Washington Nationals, right, they're set today to unveil their World Series ring design as well as to release a documentary on their season called Improbable and begin a fundraiser called Nats for Good. That all sounds great. They've been they've had this in the works, obviously, for a long time. And as part of this, as part of unveiling their World Series ring design, they decided they were going to have a Zoom virtual ring presentation. This was announced on Tuesday, supposed to happen today. A pre-taped event from yesterday was supposed to air today, and it was going to occur, even though the majority of the team, coaches, staff, and broadcasters have not gotten their rings and won't have their rings. 
In fact, not until several days later, and some even longer after that. A small pre-selected group was expected to unveil the rings today instead. Um, very, very weird. Many of the players responsible for the title, this from Britt Garoli on The Athletic, would also be looking at their rings for the first time remotely. They'd be saying, oh, that's what my ring looks like. Uh-oh. Okay. Yay! And the players were excluded from the decision to do this remotely, and they were also unaware when it was announced that it wouldn't involve the entire team opening all of their rings at once. That, that's what I thought it was going to be. If we're going to do it that way, then at least let's all open our rings at once and look at it together and try to do it that way. So the Nats wanted to do this today because this is when last year when they were 19 and 31 and they began their turnaround that led them to become World Series champions. Love that idea. Great to have the the symmetry of doing it on this day after it was last year that it started. But then the players put up a fight and said, no, no, we hate this. We completely and utterly hate this. We don't want to do it. We want to be with the fans if possible. And if not with the fans, we at least want to all be with each other and getting these rings together. And the team had to say, all right, you're right. Sorry about that. Stupid. Forget that part. Nix that. So they canceled the ring ceremony. They canceled the ring ceremony. Good. It's ridiculous. I mean, look, it's a small thing, but it's it's a stupid thing. I get it. They're going to go ahead with releasing the documentary today. They're going to go ahead with beginning a fundraiser that starts today. Good. You can even unveil your World Series ring design if you want. I don't know if they're going to do that part. But don't make the players have that kind of moment virtually. At least let them be together, even if fans cannot be there. It's a a magical once-in-a-lifetime kind of thing that you play the game your entire life for. Don't, Don't reduce it to a Zoom moment. So I do good think on the Nats for making a stink. I, I do ahead, still think Sean. they're going to hold their virtual ring ceremony, though, because on MLB Network, they're showing the run to the World Series. So they, they already showed the wild card game. They already showed game five of the NLDS. They got game four of the NLCS, game six of the World Series. And then at 5 p.m. Eastern, they got the World Series film. And then after they got the virtual ring ceremony and then they're going to play game seven. So it's still being promoted that they're going to have that ring yeah. ceremony. But it's not happening. Um, it, it's it's not going to happen. Uh, Britt Garoli tweeted about it. Others have tweeted about it. And her article on The Athletic is updated. Check her article on The Athletic for the update. So I'm sure it's still listed there on the listings for MLB Network. And I get it. So I'm sure there was pressure on the Nats to work along with the network and the league and make it all a part of the thing. But they are not doing the ring ceremony. Maybe they'll unveil it and talk about it or something. But they're not making the players deal with it in that way. That is uh, that was the latest update that I read. They are going to release the documentary, and the documentary is on MLB Network. Yeah, so so I get it now even more from the organization's perspective. They were being pressured to uh, to make it all happen, but no. So I um, I'm I'm glad that they relented on that. Are you seeing that now, Sean? Are you seeing the update where it's it's been retracted? Want to make sure I'm getting it right. Yeah, I see that. I see that update, but it, I mean the the tweet from MLB Network was from five hours ago. 
So they're they're still promoting oh it on on Twitter that the virtual ring ceremony oh is still going to take place. So the Zoom call might not happen, but they still might be showing uh -huh. off the ring on MLB Network. Okay, maybe they'll be doing that. I think we can all agree that in these unprecedented times, um, this is the biggest issue plaguing our nation, right? Can we agree with that, at least? That this issue of when the Nats players will receive their World Series rings is number one above anything else. Moving along, here's the reality of the situation, okay? The reality of the situation is that minor league baseball is not going to happen. It's just, it's, it's just not. There ain't going to be no minor league baseball. And it's likely going to be canceled. And one team and their ballpark are getting out front with a great idea, frankly. I don't know when they'll be able to allow it, but they're in Florida, so maybe that governor will allow it immediately. You can rent out the entire ballpark for the Pensacola Blue Wahoos as an Airbnb, you can stay at night, 10 of you, inside the clubhouse, I know that show, of the Pensacola Blue Wahoos Stadium. It's a beautiful stadium, too, right on the water, by the way. And the listing is right there on Airbnb. Man, I, there have been some cool things in stadiums. you got the pool out there in Arizona, of course. There's a minor league team way down in southern Illinois that has a hot tub. And for like, at the time, I did it like nine years ago, for like 100 bucks, you can get 10 of you uh, are allowed to rent the hot tub together. And there's waitress service right there in the hot tub. It's way down the right field line. That is amazing. But here you go, 1,500 bucks, you can have the entire baseball stadium. Listen to the listing. Whether you'd like to host an unforgettable overnight trip with your youth league team, throw an unbeatable birthday bash, stage a corporate retreat that will make you an office hero, or spend your bachelor party living your sports dream, Blue Wahoo's Stadium is the ultimate rental. So you've got the ocean views, you got all that stuff, and then you can do whatever you want. Guests staying at the ballpark will have full access to the newly renovated clubhouse, a large bedroom with 10 beds. Huh. <laughs> So one giant bedroom with 10 beds, I guess that's the nap room for the players that they're converting. The batting cage and the field itself. Want to hit with your friends in our batting cage? Be our guest. Want to play catch on the field at 11.30 p.m.? Yes. Yes, I do. Be our guest. Want to take batting practice while having a couple cold ones with the boys? Yes. Yes, I do. Be our guest. Want to take down your siblings in ping pong and video games in the clubhouse? Be our guest. Want to enjoy breakfast at home plate? be our guest. That's brilliant. It's brilliant. And it's Florida, so you can pretty much do whatever you want. What's a better I deal, though? The 10 yeah. people at Blue Wahoos, and you have you know all access to their stadium, or $20,000 on a minimal bid to do batting practice off Roger Clemens. 12 to 15 people on that for an hour. How much, how much is that, the BP? 20K for Roger Clemens oh, batting practice. 20K? And is is our guy from our game? Is he donating that money somewhere? Uh, half of the dollars goes raised goes to your charity. The other half goes to the Roger Clemens Foundation. Okay, all right. Okay, well done, well done. No, that's that video that we played a snippet of from a couple of weeks ago, right? Okay, I'm glad. Um, I'm glad it's all going to charitable foundations. <laughs> yeah. No, I. I think taking 10 friends or nine friends or family and being in a ballpark 
uh, all night long and playing catch out there, running the bases, taking BP, having breakfast at home plate. Sounds sounds pretty damn great to me. So I'm down for that. <sighs> Airbnb, you can find it yourself. 670, the score is what you're listening to. It's Hit and Run, the score's venerable baseball show. Zach Zayman and Mark Grody at the top of the hour. We'll come back and wrap it up with our man Chris Kempka next right here on Hit and Run. Back in on 670 to score. It is Hit and Run. Before we go to our man Chris Kampka, I had to update, as the texture said, and then I wanted to look, the Pensacola Blue Wahoos Stadium, available for rental on Airbnb at $1,500 a night. You and nine friends could come and spend your night inside the clubhouse and the field of the stadium, use the batting cage, etc., is completely sold out. It is 100% sold out. Let's see. Yep, May, June, uh, July, uh, August, uh, September. Yeah, it's sold out completely. So, man, follow that lead, minor league ballparks. Make some money if you can. I'm betting that most minor league teams make more than $1,500 a day. Uh, But, hey, that's a start. Minor League Baseball is going to be so damaged by what's going on. It has already begun, too. It's ugly, but we've talked about that an awful lot. Let's instead uh, try to enjoy ourselves as we do our final segment here and bring in our man, Chris Kampka. We call it Camp Connections. We get ourselves Camp Connected with um, our favorite statistical anomaly seeker and finder. He's a man who loves the game as much as we do here. It's our game. It's Chris Kampka on our hotline. What's up, Chris? Good morning. Oh, we need baseball back. And, and I know, man. There's, there's one big reason I want to mention. Okay. So it's a man who was 4-7 in his rookie season. He has 247 career wins, and he turns 47 today. Talking about Bartolo Colon. Let's get him one more year. We need it. <laughs> that should be a rallying cry during the negotiations. They should, you know, assuming this is all done on computer, there should be a, a picture of Bartolo in the top left corner just on everybody's home screen. I think that's do, a great idea. Right? Do it for him. Do, 247 wins. That's a lot of wins, especially in an era now where the win has become... Uh, devalued, both devalued and also harder to get. 247, where does that put him on the list? Probably, it's got to be in the top 100, top 50 even? Well, I can get you an answer. But by the way, I may mention he started pitching before the era that wins were no longer important. So, you know, (laughs) his initials are BC, and that's when he started pitching. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I I got a lot of these. So, yeah, he wore number 40. He's XL. XL is Roman numeral for 40. Extra large. Okay. Um, let's see. Career wins. He's 50th. And, and then that's in, 50th, 50th on the button with 247 wins. Uh, well, Incredible. See, that's going from baseball reference, and they include a league that doesn't necessarily count. So he's probably a little higher than that. Hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, think about it. I mean, for all the trivia. We love the trivia. I mean, he yes. is older than eight of the 30 major league managers. Um, eight of 30. Uh, when he made his major league debut, 18 of the 30 current major league parks had not yet opened. 
And one of the one of the twelve that did open was Tropicana Field, and they had yet to host a major league game because Diamondbacks and the Devil Rays did not even appear until the year after. Wow. Uh, I mean, Bartolo has pitched in the Astrodome, the Kingdome, and the Tokyo Dome in his major league career. <laughs> Yeah. And he has a chance to be the last remaining player uh, in Major League Baseball to play born in the 70s. Um, because as of right now, that would be Fernando Rodney. But he's a free agent. He's probably not going to get with another team this year, I would think. Bartolo hmm. has a chance to be the last 70s born player in the majors. And there's a fun list if you go through that. The last one born in the 60s is Mariano Rivera. The last one born in the 50s was Julio Franco, who evidently was Bartolo's teammate in his major league debut back on April 4th, 1997. And then Franco went on to play 754 more games. Wow. We all know how old he was. Yeah, Franco, Franco uh, I think, was 47. He played till he was 47. So he played love till he was like 49. Was he, was he that old? Unbelievable. Unbelievable. The oldest player ever to hit a home run was Julio Franco. Wow. Uh, here's some little, some more fun nuggets from Bartolo's major league debut. When he made his debut, the number one song in the country was "Can't Nobody Hold Me Down" by Puff Daddy and Mace. And you know, Puff Daddy went through several name changes after that. Mace retired and came back and retired again. Um, the number one movie was "Liar Liar." Oh my God, young, uh, that's Jim Carrey. And uh, was there a young Steve Carell? No, no, it's Jim Carrey. Okay, I was thinking of uh, thinking of uh, uh, Evan Almighty. I was mixing up mixing up my movies of that era. Okay, so Bartolo, forty-seven yeah. today. Yes, sir. Yeah, he, Bartolo's faced Cody Bellinger. He's faced Cody Cody Bellinger's dad, <laughs> and he's faced somebody who's twelve years older than Cody Bellinger's dad, Eddie Murray. Is that the oldest guy he faced, Eddie Murray? I, I, believe, I believe Eddie Murray is the answer to that question. Which is interesting because they they were teammates at one point, right? With the with the Indians, I believe. Yeah, I, I, I would think, think. They were teammates. Well, might have been. Maybe not. Maybe well, not. Maybe not. Yeah. Um, consider this: when career home run leaderboard when Bartolo made his debut, Henry Aaron, of course, is number one with seven hundred fifty-five. Number 54 on the home run list, 54, Barry Bonds with 334. And number 55 on the home run list was his dad, Bobby Bonds. So they were right next to each other on the career home run list at that time. For some reason, that one is hitting me more than almost any of them that that you mentioned. Because you're talking about a Barry Bonds when he debuted. What year did he debut? 97? Uh, Bartolo, yeah, 97. April 4th, 1997. So that you're talking about a Barry Bonds who was perhaps the best player in the game. It was him or Ken Griffey Jr. as the best all-around player in the game. Maybe Roberto Alomar had something to say about it. But it's really those two. And it was pre-98, pre-love affair for Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa. It was pre-steroids um, consideration and transformation for Barry Bonds. And he was already number 54 in the all-time home run list. And if he, if he never used the cream and the clear, he would have ended up with, what, 450, something like that, and would have gone down as one of the greatest players of all time. Instead, yeah, he, he, he probably, could have cracked, probably could have cracked 500 still. Maybe. That was more than enough. He could have probably retired right then and there. Yeah. You know? 
And Sam, wow. speaking of Sammy Sosa, he, he had 171 career home runs at that time. 171. God. Yeah. Before th- Coming before off of a career high 40. Yeah. Before before things went bananas. Oh, man. Yeah, yeah I he hope. Mm-hmm. He's before the home run chase. So, you know, maybe before the home run chase. When Bartolo homered Chris Kampka off of big game James Shields, I believe it was the longest that anybody had ever played the game before hitting their first home run, right? 19 seasons? Um, I well, I think that's in, the case. in age, uh, it was either him or Randy Johnson, the two oldest to hit their first major league home run. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, that, that's a lot. That, I mean, I think every thank God we had Twitter then because it broke down when Bartolo hit that home run. And I was there for it. I mean, I was, yeah. well, not physically there for it, but I was, I was ready. I was ready to enjoy it. Well, I remember that Neil Walker, the, the, uh, who was on the Mets at the time, said that made everyone's career to witness that. <laughs> Neil Walker, because he said they'd been talking about it for, like, for a long time. What do we do with Bartolo Homers? And then he finally did it. Uh, unbelievable. Hey, this is as good a moment as any for me to announce, and I'll announce to you, Chris Kampka, that coming later this week is a a five-minute or so bit um, to be debuted as a collaboration between me and your friend Jason Benetti um, that we are working on that we're very excited about. And the subject matter for this particular bit is going to be Bartolo Colon. That is coming later in the week. So consider consider that news broken. There's always room for more Bartolo Colon content, and I'm ready for it, and I'm excited. Thank you, Chris. You're the best. He is Chris Kampka. Thanks, man. Have a great week. You too. At, at C. Kampka on Twitter. Thank you to Sean Anderson for a great job producing the show. I had a lot of fun today. Thanks to Andy McCullough from The Athletic, Mike Farron from the Arizona Diamondbacks broadcast booth, and thank you to Phil from Stupid Car Tray. It's easier to be nice to somebody who has stolen your idea when they seem like a good-natured person, even though they still contend they have not stolen my idea. But check them out at stupidcartray.com. Have a great week, everybody. I'll be on Cubs 360 on Marquee on Tuesday, and then back with you next weekend, Saturday and Sunday. But as I mentioned, um, follow my Twitter feed. Me and Jason Benetti working on something special that should debut this week. We're looking forward to it. All right, everybody. Have a great day. Zach Zabin and Mark Grody are next. Tremendous guests. Boog Shambi at 1220. Kyle Long at 1. Patrick Manley at 2. Um, a safe and happy observance of Memorial Day and Memorial Day weekend to all of you. And thank you, thank you, thank you for those of you who have served our country. Good day, everybody. Be well. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. T Mobile.com.